Welcome to episode 16 of the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. I'm veering from the canned introduction to make an announcement. Therese Neal and the fine folks at JBJ Dentalay have asked me to be a brand ambassador for Dentalay. I'm very humbled to have this opportunity and graciously accepted. So what does being a brand ambassador mean? Well, it means that they recognize this podcast as a positive influencer in our hobby. In the future, there should hopefully come opportunities for Dentalay and this podcast to collaborate on social media to spread this show and their offerings to consumers. The more this show is spread around and the listener base grows, the longer I will put forth the effort to keep bringing you interviews with people from all over our hobby. One of the first opportunities has already happened, and that would be in the form of Escapers Tank Package. I'm super excited to get this tank up and running and give you all my honest opinion. As a hint, I've already made acquisitions for this tank from an upcoming guest of this show. Now, what does becoming a brand ambassador for Dental A not mean? It certainly doesn't mean that I will provide inaccurate or overly favorable coverage of Dental A's products. If there is a feature of this tank I don't like, I will let you all know. In addition, I'm still going to have people on from other manufacturers and vendors. The only reason I haven't yet is that no one else from a major brand has responded to my inquiries or agreed to come on for an interview. So that does it for this episode. I hope you all out there are enjoying the show. Please reach out and let me know through email, aquarispodcast at gmail.com, or any of the Aquarius Podcast social media accounts. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Thursday, May 30th, 2018. My guest is Zach Frank. Zach is an aquatic specialist at World Pet Association, the organization responsible for events such as the Aquatic Experience, Super Zoo, and America's Pet Family Expo. Zach's previous professional experiences include sales management for Spectrum Brands with product families like Tetra, Instant Ocean, and Marineland. Zach has also studied veterinary science at the University of Arizona. On top of an impressive resume, Zach is a passionate hobbyist and shares some wonderful pictures of aquatic plants and animals with his social media followers. So, Zach, welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you very much for being on. And I guess I probably shouldn't lead with saying go Sun Devils, right? <laughs> well, I was uh, I was U of A, so uh, Sun Devils were kind of our uh, our uh, enemy over there. <laughs> so that so that's not the right mascot. You guys are what the Wildcats? <laughs> Wildcats. That is correct. One of the like twelve teams uh, that has the Wildcats in the country. To completely digress, I think um, I believe it's the Bulldog that is the most used college mascot. Can you confirm that? I have no idea, actually. I'm I'm pretty sure. Good question. I'm pretty sure to go completely off topic of tropical fish that that was that was like a Google fact that I learned a few years ago, and somebody call me out on it, and you know, send me an email or write on the Facebook page and tell me I'm wrong. But I'm almost positive that it's the bulldog. And if you think about it, there's a ton of schools that use that bulldog. So yeah, let's uh, let's let your listeners uh, try to prove you wrong and. Uh... See how that goes. Which isn't which isn't difficult. I'm 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 wrong more often than not, but nonetheless, I digress. So Zach, thank you so much again for being on the show. Um, let's start off with the very beginning. I mean, how did you get started in the aquarium hobby? Um, I am actually one of those rare people that was born into the hobby. Um, my father uh, actually caught fish, uh, tropical marine fish, for a living. Uh, for ornament, ornamental fish. So uh, any fish you see in a fish store that came out of the Florida Keys uh, at one point, my dad probably caught something very similar. So I spent uh, many summers uh, going to Florida and diving and catching fish with my father. Uh, my parents were uh, big into goldfish and koi clubs as I was growing up. Um, so uh, I, I, I've been basically in the pet industry for my entire life. Um, and then in college, I actually eventually got a job working in a tropical fish store and uh, kind of progressed from there. I owned a store. Um, I worked for a manufacturer. Now I work for a company that, that uh, promotes the pet industry and um, has trade shows involving all sorts of animals, but particularly fish. Zach, you just dropped so much right there that I need to go back and uh, and, dig, and dig through that, man. You just dropped a lot of like nugs of good interview goodness right there. So, uh, catching fish in in Florida, can you kind of unpack what that was like a little bit? And um, I, I would have to assume at some point there's like an alligator scare because me being a West Coast boy, I assume that the entire state of Florida is filled with alligators. So, can you talk about that a bit? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, my dad actually uh, he started catching fish in the uh, late '60s for a living, um, and he did it. You know, start, he actually started in Florida, um, also collected in California, Hawaii, Bahamas, uh, kind of all over the country. Um, when I was, you know, of age where I could actually help out, you know, in my early teens. Uh, he was down in the Florida Keys, and there really are not too many alligators down in, like, Marathon Key. Um, so uh, it wasn't too much of a big issue there. You know, we played with some big uh, green mores and, and harassed some, some nurse sharks at one point or two. Um, but uh, there's not, not the gators down there like there, there are in uh, Orlando or Gainesville. And as far as that, I mean, I, I hate to even ask this kind of question, but – you know, being able to provide a, a pretty um, decent living for your family off of this um, fish collecting. I mean, you know, we hear about Project Piaba and the work with those um, fish collectors down in the rain, uh, down in Brazil. Um, but we never really hear much about domestic fish catching for the ornamental trade. So, uh, I mean, this is something that he did for an extended period of time. Yeah, no, he uh, actually got to a point where he can't physically do it anymore. Um, had some some issues. Um, based off of diving for, for too many years and doing too much stupid stuff uh, when he was in his early 40s. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was he was doing that for about 30 years, um, off and on at some point. Um, but, but about 30 years. And there was a time, and I think you still can in this country, make a decent living for yourself and your family. Um, it's becoming more and more difficult as – you know, the Florida Keys, as those lionfish are taking over, and there's some environmental issues with a lot of the corals. Obviously, you can't actually collect most corals in the Florida Keys, um, and it's, it's primarily fish. Um, Hawaii has so, so many restrictions on uh, collection over the, uh, over the past year or so. So it's, it's becoming a little bit harder and harder. Um, one of the big things that we used to notice was that we see the price of fish jumping up in fish stores that we, we go to. So if I see a queen angel and it's $200, $300, um, the guy who actually catches that fish generally makes roughly $15. And that hasn't actually jumped up in price at all in the past 25 years. So um, as inflation happens throughout the country, these, these commercial fishermen are not actually uh, able to make the same uh, cost of living adjustment which is is kind of difficult for them too that's crazy that that the retail establishment would be able to um correct and and adjust their price for inflation but they wouldn't pass that same um benefit on to their to their source or or i I guess i'm not sure of the complete supply chain if if there's a distributor or wholesaler um or just a buyer in general somewhere in the middle that somehow that that's not trickling down because if if you know, if you dry up your source, right, if nobody can make a living getting these fish for you, then that's, that, that's going to go away. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, where the, the person, generally, uh, the person catches a fish, those fish go to a bigger wholesaler, then the wholesaler goes to the retailer, and there might even be one other step in there. So each step you get, there's, you know, a 200, 300% markup or something. Um, the person who sees the most losses uh, are not the people who catch them. It's usually the wholesale. So they, they have reasons for markup and, and everybody has their extra costs for, for everything. And, and a lot of it is actually justified. Um, but it is, it is remarkable to see how the guy who's catching them doesn't really make much different income than they were 20 and 30 years ago. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm all for the profit motive. I mean, we need to have uh, people need to make a, a profit at each step of a transaction. But yeah, again, just to circle back and say that that's crazy that it still wouldn't have, have impacted the guy that's actually catching and he wouldn't benefit from that. Um, and so was, uh, was there, it, I'm sorry, go sorry, for go it. Ahead. I was just say that if there's one thing we learned is that whole like trickle down thing doesn't always work. No, fair enough. Fair enough. And not all examples. <laughs> Um, so was there any, um, so that sounds like it was primarily saltwater. Was there any, um, supplemental catches of of freshwater fish? Um, no, uh, part, partially because anything that you catch freshwater is generally protected where you're at. 
Um, and also in the Florida Keys, there's not a lot of fresh water. Um, but, uh, yeah, most, most places we were at, uh, you know, when we're, when I grew up, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, we were a big part of the, uh, the Koi and Goldfish Club in Portland, which was very large in the mid eighties. Um, and my parents bred a lot of fish. So I was involved, uh, to a great deal of breeding a lot of, of really fancy goldfish. Um, but it was nothing actually catching them. Um, so that was, that was, uh, my childhood was, was a large 600 gallon acrylic, uh, hexagon aquarium in our dining room full of fancy goldfish, which is, uh, kind of a travesty for, for some people in the industry. Oh, wow. So, so then I guess, you know, being brought up in this industry, um, you know, it would seem very natural, at least for an American child to then, you know, want to do the polar opposite of whatever their parents did. So what do you think kept you, um, <laughs> it, it, you know, somewhat connected to fish throughout your, your professional career? You know, it's funny. My brother uh, can't keep anything alive and uh, won't even try. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of followed my parents' paths. Uh, my mom actually was in the, the pet industry on the dog and cat side. My dad was on the fish side. So uh, working for a dry good manufacturer kind of brought both of what they did together. Um, so uh, I, I'm not sure what, what brought me to that other than I, I've always had a passion for animals of all sorts, which is why I went into uh, undergrad in veterinary science. Um, however, like I said, my brother, uh, m- my brother has never touched anything other than his cat. <laughs> Poor guy. Always <laughs> a lonely cat guy. Well, he's married, so whatever. And so then in your uh, professional experience, I mean, how, how much has it benefited you having your undergrad experience being in veterinary science? Um, <laughs> I think it's helped me quite a bit. However, most of my jobs happen to be in a sales realm. And having a science background doesn't necessarily do you all that good in the sales realm. <laughs> um, so it's, it's questionable. Uh, I, I often uh, have more knowledge about particular items uh, than a lot of the people in the companies I work in, which is a benefit to the retailers I talk to. And uh, it helps me explain the advantages of some products to uh, the consumers and retailers. So I think that's a huge advantage. However, it, it makes it harder for me to uh, draw the company line when uh, they're not necessarily as honest as they should be. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think being able to build that credibility and people knowing that you have this um, educational background that justifies what it is you're trying to say and that you're not just reading off of a script about the product, um, I think that goes a long way. I agree completely. Yeah, and so the whole uh, the whole talk about you and the, the breeding of, of the koi and the goldfish, man, we're going to have to have an, a completely separate episode from this one just to talk about that because that sounds like a, a super <laughs> cool topic that uh, that I'd love to connect with you on. Um, so then let's talk about how you got hooked up with uh, the World Pet Association or, or WPA if we want to use the, uh, the acronym for it to save ourselves some breath. Uh, that'll work, yeah. So I... Uh... I have been actually exhibiting in uh, our big show. Our big show is uh, called Super Zoo. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard it in the movie Boss Baby. Um, I should put it like copyright quotes out here somewhere. <laughs> but uh, there's this movie Boss Baby out there that uh, the voice is done by Alex Baldwin. It's about a little baby um, and all about this big uh, pet trade show in Las Vegas. Um, that, that big pet trade show that they're referencing through that whole movie is our show Super Zoo. Um, basically. Um, so SuperZoo is the, the highest attended uh, pet trade show in the country. Um, before it was in Las Vegas, it was in Anaheim and Long Beach. Um, it's a show that I attended as a child uh, when my mother was working it. Um, so I I'd attended SuperZoo many years. I'd worked at the American Family Pet Expo for many years uh, with, uh, with prior jobs and uh, created a relationship with the people at uh, World Pet Association, and I helped out with a lot of their aquarium displays that they were doing. Um, and uh, with those relationships that I built through basically a decade of, of doing shows uh, with the WPA people, um, they got to a point where they knew me and they, they offered me this, this position, uh, which is basically selling booth space and also uh, working with the aquatic set portion of their show. 
um, or their shows uh, as as SuperZoo, American Animal Expo, and uh, Aquatic Experience are all have sections that are geared towards aquatics. Very cool. And so how long have you now been with WPA? Uh, it's been just about two years now, so it's not uh, too awful long. Yeah, and so, I mean, would you say, because, you know, the way you describe uh, what you do for them, um, I mean, that kind, of, that kind of feels like living the dream, because you were just over in Germany, right, for work as well? Uh, yeah, I, I got the opportunity to go over to Interzoo, uh, which is one of the largest trade shows in the world um, in Nuremberg, Germany. So that was that was actually a dream of mine for, for many years, so I was very uh, pleased to be able to get that opportunity. Um, there, there's a lot... There's a lot of my job that is dreamlike, uh, and it, it does really hit my passion of, of promoting the pet industry. Um, however, at, at some point, it is still a job, and uh, there are a lot of very difficult days, uh, like at Acquire Experience, where I am on the show floor for a, really about 19 to 21 hours for a week straight, um, and that whole sleep thing doesn't actually exist. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I, I guess so. I want to have you on to talk about. Well, I guess I'm looking at the um, at the superzoo.org website. That we'll we'll have a link to that. We'll have a link to Aquatic Experience, so people can check that out in the show notes. Um, so that is going to be June 26th and June 28th, Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas. So that is um, a little under a month away, right? Yeah, it's uh, really almost a little over three weeks away, and uh, we're all, you know, very stressed and ready for this, this very large show. Um, to put it in perspective, if you walk from one side of the uh, show floor to the other side, it's almost a mile long. That is incredible. Wow. I've been to Vegas. I've, I've been through these, uh, you know, we walk through a lot of the casinos, um, and, and, you know, they're definitely massive, but to hear that from one end to the other is, is almost a mile long is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we do our, 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 you know, our Fitbit steps or something during those days, uh, we're, we're usually in the, the 30,000, 35,000 steps, uh, which is, uh, 15, 20 miles. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, a, a lot of walking around in a, in a very, very large show. You probably have to stop for an hour just to recharge your Fitbit, right? <laughs> that that uh, at, at some point it runs out of battery. You just kind of throw it on the ground and keep going. So um, my questions for for SuperZoo. I mean, I don't know how much you can get into this, but right now, so again, we're we're less than a month away. Uh, this episode will hopefully drop in the next couple weeks, so people will have a chance to get out there. Or actually, hopefully next week, uh, people will have a couple weeks to make uh, plans if they want to attend SuperZoo. Uh, but like, what are you doing right now up until the run up to this actual event? Like, what I guess what is still left to do? Yeah, so let me let me uh, throw a disclaimer out here real fast. Uh, SuperZoo is for um, pet trade people only. So we're talking uh, retailers, people in the pet business. So you, uh, with your podcast, we could find a way to to get you in, but the average consumer will not actually be uh, allowed into the show. Uh, um, it is a, a buying show for, for distributors and manufacturers to sell directly to retailers. Um, so let me throw that out there. Um, but yeah, we, we do have a lot of really last minute stuff going on. So I've got some aquarium displays. I'm doing some last minute um, work on to make sure that we have, we have all the, the materials for the aquarium displays. Um, I have Oliver not coming from Germany to do some aquarium demos, uh, aquascaping demos. Um, I've got some terrarium demos uh, being set up from uh, ZooMed and Biopod. Um, and then I'm also involved with the entire other show. So we have a bunch of booths that are, you know, a wait list of people we're trying to get into the show. We've got uh, a new pet tech center. That, it's a showcase that's highlighting uh, technological pet products. So we're trying to get, um, you know, people signed up and, and registered for that. Our new product showcases. We've got a, a concert with Kenny Loggins. Um, you know, it's, it's just this, this really big, fun show and, uh, last minute, uh, last minute plans are, are always, uh, a hectic, uh, right before a show. 
Yeah, I apologize for having to make you uh, make that disclaimer. I guess I got Super Zoo confused with America's Family Pet Expo. So I see that yeah. and Aquatic Experience are the consumer-oriented ones. And then, yeah, this is in the trade category. And I'm looking at the WorldPetAssociation.org. So that, that was my goof on yeah, it. Sorry about yeah. that, Zach. No, no, it's it's good because I already, I already talked about Super Zoo a lot. So uh, uh, it's, it's good to, to talk about it a little bit. Um, America's Family Pet Expo was the last week of April. So uh, we're just about a month off of that one. Um, that's a really amazing show because we get a, close to 50,000 people in one weekend that come to the show. So I'm kind of in charge of the aquatic building there and we have an aquascaping competition and we've got, uh, touch tanks with sharks in them. We had a, a big 500 gallon shark tank. We had a couple of local retailers. Um, it's, it's really, it's a really good show to see your general public that are not fish hobbyists they get really excited about um, being around the fish uh, products. Yeah. Awesome. So like uh, what other kind of, um, what other kind of exhibits did you say they're there for people for the aquatics? So there's like shark, shark tanks. So, so yeah. So the American family pet expo in general is, is all about all sorts of animals. So we adopt out, you know, between 500,000 dogs and cats during the show. Um, and that's a really big part of the show. Um, we have a lot of dog clubs and breed clubs there. We've got a cat building and a dog building and a reptile building. There's a repticon that's running the same same place. Um, there's birds. There's there's animals of all sorts. It's at the Orange County Fairgrounds in uh, Costa Mesa, Orange County, California. Um, so there's like fair food everywhere if you want your funnel cake or your turkey legs and all that. We have the sea lions out for the sea lion splash show. Um, so there's all that kind of stuff outside of the aquatic building. Um, inside the aquatic building, um, we've got one of the lo- local uh, local colleges, uh, Orange Coast College, that does uh, they've got a, a marine biology program. So they actually bring in sharks and rays for our touch tank exhibit. So so people will get all around the, the shark and ray touch tank, and they can you know like, like you're going to actual aquarium and, and uh, touch the horn sharks or the you know uh, whatever rays we have in there at one point. Um, one of our local uh, local retailers in LA brought out a 500 gallon shark tank. So you had you had 15 different types of sharks in there. Um, you know, like your 18 inch to, to two foot sharks uh, swimming around that thing. So that was really cool. Um, we had someone with some some uh, jellyfish. Um, we have uh, one of our big things we do in our shows, both Aquatic Experience and America's Family Pet Expo, is our kids aquarium uh, contest. So that involves uh, kids that bring a bunch of uh, uh, items to decorate a 10-gallon aquarium, and then they're kind of judged for different categories, natural or or, or creative or artistic or whatever. Um, and then they get to keep the tanks at the end of the show. Oh, that's so cool. So, so we do roughly 50 tanks per show um, for the kids, and the whole idea is to, you know, build uh, the aquatic in- industry from the bottom up. Whereas if you, we go to all these, these big uh, frag swaps and big, you know, aquatic shows, they're all, they're all trying to go from the top down. We, we want to get the families and, and, you know, younger crowds more involved with aquatics so they can be involved their entire lives um, rather than someone my age, which really doesn't help, you know, the industry all that much. Yeah, I can really appreciate that, Zach. And you know, if if you've listened to a couple of the episodes, depending on which ones, I mean that that's a that's a topic that I'm very passionate about is um, continuing to see this hobby grow because the more people that get involved, um, the more retail, the more manufacturers, and the more the retailers see that there there's um, a lot of potential for. Uh, new customers and so we'll get more innovative products we'll get more stores opening we'll get better selection and all the great things that come with competition um so that's really really cool to hear that uh that's that's you know some of the aim of the the world pet association is to build that that interest from the ground up um and i guess so a question that i have around the the pet expo is is it consistently year over year in southern california it is uh yes we've been uh I want to say 26 years. I could be off a year or two there um, in Southern California. Uh, we tried one in uh, Northern California uh, a while back, and we actually had uh, one in Puyallup in uh, just south of Seattle yeah, several yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, and they never really stuck at those other locations. Um, but the one that's built in Southern California has done very well, and we're going to obviously continue to keep it there. Um, there are chances that uh, who knows what's going to happen in the future. 
where we could add another one or something. But uh, at, at this point, that is all hearsay and no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, so Randy's promotion for this particular event is, you know, Southern California. I mean, you've got Universal Studios, you've got Disneyland down there. So any of you listeners that are on the <laughs> East Coast, that you're on the Midwest and you're looking for a family getaway, um, you know, go to America's uh, Family Pet Expo next April. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be maybe somewhere around that same time frame. Uh you know, stay tuned to their website for official date announcements and make a whole make a whole week or a weekend of it. You know, hit the Pet Expo, hit uh, Universal Studios, go to Hogwarts or uh, Diagon Alley and get yourself some butterbeer. Hit Disneyland, make it a whole uh, to-do. So, um, yeah, I mean, really make it a fun, fun weekend and, and still get your fish fix in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, you know, we're, we're closer to uh, Disneyland and... Uh and uh not very farm um is orange county we're also just a couple miles from the beach so if you're from the midwest uh definitely come out to the beach april is generally still beautiful here or you know say uh someone wants to go to coachella and uh stay an extra week it's it's the same time every year yeah, there you go. I was gonna say because uh you know once you start getting into, into the summer months in la it gets pretty gets pretty hot down there yeah, it depends where you're at. If, if you stay closer to the beach, it's uh, usually pretty comfortable. Um, when you're inland, like uh, where our office is located, it definitely gets warm. I remember uh, standing in line as a kid at Universal Studios, and really the only thing keeping you alive is the shade and the misters that they had set up. Um, and this is like, you know, July-August time frame when it's just sweltering hot there. The butter beer does help. <laughs> I have not gone there yet, so I um, I traveled down <laughs> I traveled down to SoCal, the Moreno Valley area, uh, quite a bit for work, and I keep telling my wife that uh, I'm going to go there without her, and she threatens to divorce me if I do. So uh, I can't I can't go to Harry Potter uh, part of uh, Universal Studios until she's with me. Well, what you got to do is give me a phone call, and then uh, we don't have to tell her. Ah, uh, dude, don't tempt me, man. <laughs> don't tempt me, because I, I, I think I may be going back down. We, I fly into Ontario Airport quite a bit, um, so I think I may be down there in the next couple months. So <laughs> that's, that's right by our office. Oh, good times. All right, we'll have to connect on that after this episode <laughs> or after this interview. Um, so then I, I do want to talk more about Super Zoo, though, um, and, you know, I'm curious to know, do you see anything that the retailers are doing um, to also build from the ground up, right? Or build the build the demand or build new customers um, at a younger age or get more people into the hobby, um, I, I guess, to expand the pie as opposed to take a larger share of the pie? Yeah, it, it's actually, uh, you know, you really hit on, on my two big passions. So, so one big passion you could already tell is, to get uh, to promote the aquatic industry with the public and younger younger audiences and get more people involved. And my other passion is to find ways to help aquatic retailers um, stay in business and be profitable and find ways to to uh, get through some of the issues that they're they're going through. Um, I've spent well over 10 years calling on on retailers as a, a sales rep. Um, and I and I interact with retailers on a daily basis and just hear um, a lot of the stories about how it's really becoming more and more difficult to make money with the uh, day and age of the Internet and, you know, competition and increased price and everything like that. So for Subaru, one of the big things I, I try I've, I've tried to do is uh, bring out these these aquatic demonstrations with the idea that uh, kind of showing people that that uh, planted tanks are becoming more and more popular. I think there's a lot of retailers in the country that are still doing your Amazon stores and Anacharis and Hornwort and not actually, you know, diving full into the, the uh, aquatic plant market and they're just leaving money on the table right there. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize how popular these shrimp, uh, the freshwater shrimp are, whether it's the neocaridinia or the regular caridinia. Um, I, I think that is something that's, that, you know, coming to Super Zoo or coming to Aquatic Experience, they can kind of learn more about with that. Um, we have uh, education uh, classes, uh, both on the show floor and in, in conference rooms to kind of, you know, talk to retailers about educating them ways to merchandise their store or help price certain things or try to, to find um, current trends to, to help keep them relevant. Um, 
so those are, those are things that we're trying to do to, to help retailers. Um, there's, from, from my experience in Southern California, there's not a lot of retailers that are, that are you know, uh, bending the rules to try to, to uh, be really relevant to their customers. I see, I see a lot of retailers that, that try to do something for a little bit, they spend some money, and then they just kind of give up. So unfortunately, I, I don't see a lot of uh, really, really good retailers out there that are that are uh, pushing to, to try to build the industry in ways that um, we would like them to do. Uh, a few of them, and I, we, we talked about this a little earlier uh, before the phone call, um, uh, you know, a few guys are, are trying to get into the YouTube, and I think that uh, creating a YouTube or a social media presence is, is helping uh, younger crowds, but a lot of the older uh crowds are not really jumping on board the social media train um some people are still trying to do uh aquascaping demonstrations in their stores and they do it once or twice um some people are doing kids contests which i think is huge uh so it's it's really it, it's a good question about you know what can retailers actually do to to be the most uh the most profitable and the and the, the most it, to keep uh in touch with what their their customers want yeah because i mean it's it's i believe some of it is is a cultural shift away right like it's not um and unfortunately i haven't published this conversation yet but uh when i was in uh new york and i had the pleasure of being in joe ferdenzi's home and he's a huge huge aquarium history buff and we are walking through the uh the history of the aquariums and you know the the 1930s through like the 1950s in the u.s mm-hmm. like it just being at its app like the hobby um the aquarium hobby just being at its absolute peak um where i mean it was a it was a to-do event um you know when a when a fish club had um, a competition or a fish show or something like people showed up in droves and there's you know pictures of, of people just in packed rooms with fish bowls and on display um, but you know it, it, at some point as the decades go on we've kind of lost um, we, we've lost that passion I guess for for the home aquaria um, I, I don't know how much of that has to do with uh, with technology or the other modern conveniences that we have but I feel like there's an opportunity with um, and I'm being long-winded, but I feel that there's an opportunity with people wanting to get more into, into um, connection with nature. So we'll say REI is an, an incredibly popular outdoor recreation company that you know sells their products at a premium. They have great quality products, and they're incredibly successful, and they really push this natural image, right? Get back out there, connect with nature. And I think the home aquarium is like the most natural thing that you can do within the four walls of whether it's your apartment, assuming your landlord lets you or your home or whatever you have to have one or two aquaria um, and, and have it stocked with fish and just sit there and watch it and enjoy it um, and have a little slice of nature in your home. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And I, I think different places in the country are more in touch with the idea of having nature a part of their lives. Um, I, I know you you feel in the Pacific Northwest once the summer is out then uh, nobody's nobody's indoors. Um, Colorado is the same way. Um, California, I feel like it's uh, the weather's always good, so people don't really take advantage of it as much. Totally, no, I agree uh, with that. <laughs> so uh, I think I think that is a really big part of it, and I think that's also why the uh, or part of the reason for the. Uh, increase of popularity of planted aquariums lately. And I've been saying for 20 years that planted aquariums are going to be the next big thing. And, that, and, and you know, that it's going to be, you know, no one's going to have coral tanks anymore. It's all going to be plants. Um, and I, I think I'm, I'm almost finally right, you know, 20 years later. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the whole nature aquarium, the Amano thing, um, REI, like you say, has a, has a high price, price point. You've got these newer these these companies now, whether it's your ADA stuff or your UNS stuff, um, some really high-end um, planted aquarium products, and I think you get a lot of people um, in their say mid 20s and up that uh, want something that's going to be beautiful and want something that can help them, you know, feel in touch with nature. That are going to, um, you know, try those tanks and and hopefully they're they're successful because. You know, it only takes someone, uh, 
you know, a couple of huge algae breaks before they, uh, or algae breakouts before they just stop keeping the tank in, in general. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that, that is a huge, huge draw towards some of the, the aquariums right now. Um, the question is, how do we get people to that point? How do we get them into fish stores? How do we get display aquariums in front of them so that these people know that these aquariums are here? Um, if you're a retailer out there, maybe it is going to an REI kind of place and saying, hey, what if I put a display inside your store and, you know, throw my card in front of it? Um, I don't know. There's got to be some 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 chances like that. And I know uh, Kevin Kelly was, was on with you a, a few weeks ago, and I, I've talked to him about that before. Um, and, and people like him can, can really help try to push that, that aquatic plant trend. Um, which I think is only going to grow in the next uh, next five or ten years. Yeah, I mean, just just thinking of what I have locally, we've got I think three REI stores locally, and you know they've they've got their share of um, you know nature kind of images and nature setups within their building, and I'm already picturing you know some type of like an awesome ADA style aquarium setup um, with you know a hardscape and um, and and a and an aquascape to mimic like half dome, right? So you've got like this half dome looking aquarium set up with, you know, whoever set it up, drop your little business card right there, just exactly like you're saying, and just pique some curiosity. I mean, one, like REI, I can't imagine them saying like, well, granted, I'm sure there's some liabilities and maybe they don't want like an aquarium. But nonetheless, like if we can work through the logistics, that seems like a perfect co-branding opportunity to get a super awesome aquarium um, in front of people for them to experience. Um, I will say locally, the the Amazon spheres that recently opened up, so these are the biospheres with mm-hmm. all sorts of exotic plants. Um, Aquarium Zen founder Steve Waldron, I think is his last name, but he had a hand in making uh, the paludarium, which is like the 600-gallon triangular-shaped paludarium. Um, South, I mean, there's gorgeous angelfish and plecos and um i want to say some cardinal tetras in there i mean i I was blown away when i saw this thing in person and there are going to be thousands and thousands of people that aren't just amazon employees but that are people that are in seattle because this is now open to the public that are going to get exposed to this and now granted this is like a very you know showpiece uh public aquarium kind of display but hopefully it's things like that that spark that interest in man like you know, could I put something like this in my house or what's available in my home? Um, because what, what people end up doing, they go home and they're either going to binge watch Netflix, right? Which sure, there's some great shows on there, or they're just going to endlessly scroll through their social media feed when wouldn't you rather watch an African cichlid tank or wouldn't you rather look at a nature uh, planet aquarium with, you know, your rummy nose tetras going through or, or whatever. Pick your pick your flavor of aquaria. And. I, I agree. Um, I just say, why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't I be cruising my social media with my television going and staring at my fish tank? Um, hey, sure, <laughs> why not? <laughs> we we keep saying, and, and I keep running into this this conversation with people through throughout many many years, where they're saying the kids aren't getting into aquariums anymore because of video games. Um, video games have been around since the mid 80s um kids aren't aren't in aquariums anymore because they're on their phones the whole time um i don't think it has to be one or the other i think we can get them involved in both because you're never going to get a kid to put down their phone Uh, so you know sometimes there's these apps that people have i think finding nemo when it came out many many years ago now um did a great uh deal of damage to certain fish but it, it boosted the, the aquatic uh, industry for a period of time. Unfortunately, the second movie didn't, wasn't quite as popular. Um, the good news is we didn't kill as many uh, blue tanks as we did clownfish. Um, but, uh, yeah, how, how, how can we get, uh, you know, like you said, Amazon uh, is, is, you know, if you create something beautiful in a public environment, then that's going to get in front of people's faces, and that's, that's amazing. Um, if you think back in the day, we had so many uh, hospitals or dentist office with aquariums that are, are virtually gone. You go to Las Vegas, there's a fraction of the aquariums that used to be in the casinos. Um, Rubio's, the, the fast food restaurant, used to have an aquarium in every one of their, their, uh, their uh, locations. Um, 
PetSmart, when you go to a PetSmart, they used to have thousand gallon aquariums when they first opened in Phoenix. Uh, and, and the, the value of the, of those displays apparently was not um, high enough for, for the companies because they all basically got rid of that. Um, which is part of the reason that uh, we don't see as many aquariums in, in the homes as we used to. Yeah, no. So, I mean, those are all incredibly valid points and, and, you know, that, so that's the, that's the part of the equation of how do we get people in the hobby? Um, the second part uh, is, you know, equally as challenging is how do we keep them in the hobby? And you've already talked about with a planted tank, you know, somebody um, has a, an explosion of algae, their tank looks like poo and they give up, right? And they take it all down, give it away yeah. for free, sell it on Craigslist, whatever, they're out of the hobby. Um, so from your experience, I mean, I guess I'm wondering, you know, is this, is this the next multi-million idea that the big manufacturers are chasing um, of, you know, some piece of tech that, you know, is all inclusive of, you know, filtration and heating and um, uh, parameter alarms, though. Um, high end, like, is, is anybody chasing this? And I would imagine it would have a very high retail price. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this unit that is going to have every single thing that we need, right? And everybody's probably thinking right now, Randy, you're being lazy. Um, don't ask for this. And I'm not saying that I would buy it. But as a product offering out there, uh, Americans, by and large, have more disposable income now than they have previously. So I, I think it isn't outside of the realm of possibility that somebody would spend a lot of money on something like this. But like a one-stop ammonia, nitrate, nitrite, um, phosphate, every mineral under the sun tester. Shoot my idea down, Zach. Tell me I'm crazy. I would say anything that uh, you could conceivably uh, think of, um, it's already been made. Um so uh yeah it's it's funny you say that uh it i I always push people to know that you don't have to be rich to have a fish tank you you could do something very simple and keep almost anything alive. You can have a reef tank um full of coral with a power filter you know emperor four hundred on the back of it um it just means you're doing a lot more maintenance on on the on the tank um you could also have it fully automated like you're talking about. Um, it just costs a lot more. So um, sitting where I'm at, I've got one little uh, Fluval, uh Flex 15-gallon planted tank with shrimp um, that, you know, it's got an auto top off on it. I almost never touch it other than just feeding the fish. So that is the easiest tank I could possibly have. Um, the only downside with it is that I travel a lot and the tank, uh, the, the plants grow too quickly. Um, Meanwhile, my other tank is a uh, kind of weird size, a 66-gallon um, reef tank, and everything is automated on it. Um, so it's not cheap, but you can have it set up so it's doing, you know, two-gallon water changes a day automatically, pulling from a, a saltwater reservoir. Um, I can turn the pumps on and off and the lights on and off from apps on my phone. I've got a camera, so if I'm in... Germany, I can look and make sure that everything, you know, the fish are swimming around and the corals are open up. Um, so there, there's these things that you could do to fully automate your tank if you have the money or the resources or are willing to go into debt enough um, to take care of the tank and you really don't have to do anything for it. Um, we're talking maybe 10 to 20 minutes of maintenance a month. So the, you, would, um, you would just advocate, then I, I think where you're alluding to is more education up front for the new person that's getting into the hobby to really set them up on the right foot so that they can be successful and not have to go through the pains of, you know, a mass die off because you forgot to do your water change or, you know, some parameter or another just completely went out of whack or, you know, you introduced a fish without quarantining it and, you know, your whole tank got ick. Yeah, the education is really tough for uh for aquariums because uh, as you know there's there's so much involved um you know going from compatibility you know that that's not enough you got to worry about the nitrogen cycle you got to worry about um whether it's your lighting your filter or, uh, chemicals you're throwing in there um education is tough i always tell people find a fish store that you like and that you trust and stick with that fish store because Every single fish expert in the world is going to tell you completely different uh, recommendations for treating something. Um, and we're even just talking about the way to cycle a fish tank. Um, 
so yeah, education, look into it, uh, do some research, do not be that person who, uh, you know, take, take something and buy something through emotion, you know, think about something before you buy something, before you go spend $2,500 on a fish tank, maybe research it a little bit. Um, and then, uh, you know, go slowly and, and be responsible about how you, you keep your fish and, and you have a really good, a, a better chance of being successful now than ever before in the hobby. Yeah, and, and I guess for this audience, I mean, you know, these aren't, uh, a, a newbie who doesn't have an aquarium is not listening to this show. Many people are not listening to this show, but the people that are listening to this show are <laughs> are like hard yeah. are probably hardcore aquarists, right? Like you've got more than one tank, I would think, if you're listening to 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 my podcast and and you and I are rambling. Um, so I guess yeah, I true. guess what I'm getting at is the <laughs> onus the onus is on us, right? Us as the aquarium tropical fish hobbyists um, to foster the growth of this hobby for all the reasons that I alluded to before of more people in larger pie, more companies producing product, more innovation, more competition, more awesomeness, right? Like that's what, that's what gets spit it, spit it out, spit it out. I think I just made up a word spit out at the end of that formula is more awesomeness for us as hobbyists. So, um, you know, take everything that Zach is saying and apply that as we try to get people into the hobby, um, to educate them, to be the advocate, to go the extra mile, to get more people into this hobby, um, so that they can appreciate it and then continue to spread it. It's like that virus game, right? Like you want to be the virus that's super contagious and infects the entire world. I would even take it to another level. Um, even though I, I kind of speak towards, you know, like you're saying, the the beginner or someone who's who's um, you know maybe towards the beginning of their hobby, um, the people who break the rules the most are the experienced people. They're <laughs> the hobbyists. They're the ones who say, "Oh, I got this little Arapima gigas when it's six inches long. It's only eighty bucks." Um, yeah, I can keep it for forever. And then they end up having a four foot fish uh, without, you know, responsibly thinking about what they're going to do with the fish uh, later on. So uh, nothing against aquatic hobbyists, but uh, try to be responsible with all the, the uh, animals you keep as well. Completely. Yeah. And like, uh, and I know, you know, Sam uh, Rutka as well, but um, we don't want the situation of like what Maine has, right, with their white list of species that you can have. Um, those kinds oh, of yeah. things come about because of irresponsible hobbyists um, that, you know, release wild fish out into the uh, into the natural waterways and they end up being invasive species and, and all of that. So, so yes, be responsible. Um, yeah, it's the, the whole Maine thing and, and New Jersey's got some weird laws too and Every time I, I hear about weird laws with, with fishing states, it, it makes me cringe a little bit. Um, that's actually one of the things we talk about at Aquatic Experience. We have a, uh, a kind of a roundtable meeting with, with uh, people uh, about, you know, um, how we can stop states from outlying so many different types of fish because uh, there, there are people in the world that would like us not to have any, basically, animals as pets. So... Uh, it's a it's a constant uh, fight that that the industry is is going through to to keep the rights to keep animals of all sorts. Yeah, definitely. And thank you very much for the uh, for the great segue into the aquatic experience. So if you if you wouldn't mind, Zach, give me a rundown of uh, what exactly is aquatic experience. I've had some people on the show before and we've kind of mentioned, you know, some of the stuff that goes on there. But as somebody that is a part of the organization that puts it on, um, what is a aquatic experience? So aquatic experience is a the, the general idea is to have an aquatic show that targets every sector of the aquatic hobby um, while trying to find ways to get more people interested in the hobby. So we do all sorts of things that no other aquatic show does. And I think some people are starting to copy us with, with some of them right now um, because we've been successful in, in promoting the hobby so much. So uh, I mentioned earlier, we do the kids aquarium contest. So that kind of helps bring kids to the show. We still have uh, we still have a touch tank to get kids you know um, 
stealing some marine animals of one sort or another. Um, we generally have uh, some sort of entertainment. So in the past two years, we, we had a sea lion splash show. So you could uh, watch a, a quick sea lion show, then get your, your picture taken with sea lions. We've had a shark show. We've had uh, alligators uh, exhibit and show, so you can get a picture with alligators. Um, so we do a whole lot of that kind of stuff to involve a younger crowd. Meanwhile, we've got a pretty legit um, aquascaping competition. So we've got the, the small tank aquascaping competition has uh, roughly 30 entrants. Um, the large tank, which is really invitational, has uh, eight to 10 entrants. We have uh, the uh, 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 international shrimp competition. So people send different types of freshwater shrimp from all around the world. And, uh, and and they're judged and given ribbons and you know a lot of really cool uh, shrimp groupies kind of come out and, and do the shrimp thing. Um, we have a cichlid show. Um, if you're into cichlids and want to see uh, what a cichlid competition looks like, we also set up a lot of uh, uh, display aquariums. So if you want to see a 200-gallon glowfish tank, um, it's a it's a kind of a cool display. You can come and check out. Um, you know, so, so we, we, we set those up to show people what's possible if they don't know what is possible already. Um, and then we, we provide a chance to interact with all sorts of manufacturers and local retailers. So there'll be retailers selling corals, there'll be retailers selling fish, there will be livestock wholesalers. If you're a retailer and you want to, you know, hook up with some new uh, livestock wholesalers, there's a number of those there. Um, it's really a chance to see every sector of the aquatic industry all just in one room in the U.S. Because there's a couple other uh, shows like this around the world, just nothing else in the U.S. in this manner. Yeah, and I've heard nothing but great things about this, um, about the aquatic experience. And, you know, I'm going to try my best to make it out to uh, the 2018 aquatic experience. And on that note, so it's it, in the past couple of years, it has been in Chicago. And this year, the venue has changed and it's going to be in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. So we, we had a, uh, a five year arrangement in the Chicago area. Um, just north of the city and we loved all the people there and we grew the show while we were there and we're all going to miss um, all of our, our great attendees and exhibitors in Chicago. Um, it sounds like there are going to be a, a couple of shows that are going to try to replace us out there. So I'm glad that they'll have something that's kind of moving in there. Um, but we are moving to uh, the Meadowlands Exposition Center in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey, which is kind of in, uh, by Newark Airport, and then also fairly close to Manhattan. Um, so one of the biggest reasons for our move was to um, to spread the aquatic, you know, uh, enthusiasm to a different part of the country. Um, and also we wanted to hit it in an area that had a, a higher potential um, population density to uh, help possibly grow us to the next level. Um, so while we are very sad to lose Chicago, we are also very excited to move to this new location. Yeah, and I don't think anybody could or should fault you for changing venue. I mean, it, it, to me, it would seem like this this is the kind of event, if the aim is to grow the hobby and to spread the, you know, the, the passion for aquariums around the country, um, then that, that's exactly what you would want to do. You would want to be in a location for um, a year or two years or maybe even five years um, if the terms are favorable uh, and then move it somewhere else so that another part of the country um, can experience this awesome event or, you know, maybe maybe in five years from now, you're able to have an offshoot in the Midwest or, or, or somewhere on the West Coast, uh, maybe Pacific Northwest, you know, be down the road from me. So that, that'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, that sounds I, like crazy talk. <laughs> I, I, but I, I couldn't fault you at all for wanting to be in such a densely populated area, um, you know, outside of Manhattan, uh, to, to, again, you know, to, to spread the hobby to an entirely different population that, um, would not have come out to, to Chicago. And, you know, for people in Chicago, it's not that far of a flight to get out to, to Newark airport. I mean, it's right there down the road. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I agree with you. And, uh, it is, it is one of those things where from the outside, it's really hard to fault, you know, our, our kind of growth pattern. Um, 
but there are a lot of people in Chicago that are very, very emotional about it. So I also don't fault them for uh, being a little bit grumpy that uh, that we're not able to to be with them again. So I will. Um, I'll take that. Year, I'll so. take that as this is an awesome, awesome event, and they're so <laughs> it's so awesome that they're upset that it's not going to be there, right? Like if this event wasn't that's, that's worth exactly true. If yeah. the event wasn't worth attending, then nobody would be upset. They'd be like, oh, oh, that thing's gone. Okay, no big deal. I guess you know I'll go. Get, I'll do something else on the weekend instead of going to that terrible event. But obviously, it was super cool. So. You know, if if you have the opportunity to go out there, um, you should. And so, when when are the date? When I'm sorry, when are the dates uh, for this year? Um, the dates this year are October 19th to 21st. So that's uh, about a week and a half to two weeks earlier than it has been in the past, which will be great because now I won't have to be in my Halloween costume on an airplane um, during Halloween. So so we get to spend Halloween at home now. There you go. Yeah, trick or treating on the airplane, I can't imagine, uh, is nearly as exciting. Um, so yeah, well, it gets th- awkward when you're going through security. <laughs> so that gives people, if this episode drops uh, mid June, that gives people more than enough time to make travel arrangements, uh, book a great flight, you know, get a cheap deal on Southwest, American Delta, whoever your local carrier is. I'm sure you can find a fairly inexpensive flight out to out to EWR. I mean, I fly into that airport fairly often for work. Um, and, and like I said, it's just a quick drive up to Secaucus from from that particular airport. So, um, you know, check out the uh, we'll have the link to the aquatic experience in the show um, in the show notes, um, I guess, for trip planning. So it is a three day event. 19, 20, 21. Yep, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, mm-hmm. for somebody that's never attended before, um, should I plan on attending all three days? Um, or is there one day or two days that you would say are more geared for a certain type of hobbyist than another? I think you would be silly if you were not there the whole time. Um, you know, so uh, we, we actually say our the Friday of the show is both for uh, for children and for retailers specifically, but everybody's allowed in. So the Friday, we actually try to get schools to come out to to come and, and walk the show and, and visit with the uh, the exhibitors. And uh, I think that really helps one get people interested at a younger age, um, and also helps educate the kids to to some extent. Um, and then when they come back with their parents, the kids still get in for free for the rest of the weekend as long as they're coming with a paying adult. So that's that's a cool little thing that we do for, for the kids. Um, we also, on the Friday of the show, most of our education uh, in the conference is, is geared towards the retailers. However, we have this really cool fish health seminar, which I would, I would recommend to any aquarium hobbyist that's, that's in the area. So it's an eight-hour seminar, uh, eight-hour course um, taught by aquatic veterinarians. Um, all about, you know, it starts off getting to the scientific side of the nitrogen cycle, then it talks about fish nutrition, why fish come down with diseases, how do you treat fish diseases. Um, so it's a really, you know, an eight-hour course all about fish health and fish disease taught by scientists. So anyone who's really into, interested in that kind of geeky scientific side of the, of the hobby, I would really recommend um, checking out that course during the Friday. So that's eight hours. So then Saturday, uh, and come and watch the people do their aquascaping. Um, they aquascape during the show. Um, so you see, kind of see a last minute stuff on Saturday, and that's, that's really impressive to see what those aquascapers are doing during the show. And then by the time you, you hit Sunday, um, you're really just uh, interacting with people that you've networked with for the rest of the weekend, um, new friends you've made, maybe you're over uh, at the, the shrimp booth talking to, uh, to Disco B or you're, you know, walk around talking to some of your, your favorite YouTube personalities um, or, you know, just talking to manufacturers about some of the new products they got coming out in the future. So I, I really think that if you are a true hobbyist, you can find something to do the entire show. Um, if you're only there for one day, then Saturday is probably the day to be there. No, that's that's some great tips, and I I've also caught wind of there's going to be some after parties in the general area, whether it's in a hotel room or in Manhattan. So I don't I don't know, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be good times all around. 
I, I am guessing there's going to be one in particular in Manhattan. Um, I, I know of one in Brooklyn, um, possibly. And then uh, we actually have a, uh, for anyone who buys a full weekend pass, we actually have a networking set, uh, networking events. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Friday or Saturday this year, honestly. Um, but that has all the speakers uh, come to the network events. So you can speak, uh, interact with some of the speakers. You also just, you know, grab a couple uh, appetizers and, and talk to some of the uh, the other, you know, either exhibitors or people that have those those full weekend passes. So that's a, a really cool uh, thing to do that, that not everybody gets the, the option. Yeah, I mean, very cool. I mean, the the only thing that would be keeping me from making a hundred percent commit is I need to, you know, due to family arrangements, I need to uh, to work out some some childcare over the weekend and, and finagle some things. But um, I mean, I've got I've got airline miles, I've got hotel miles, and I'm just, you know, I'm I'm almost there on on committing and pulling the trigger. If you're somebody that you've got free weekends or you know that that's that's an open three days on your calendar, like go like. Zach has done an amazing job of selling what this event is going to be about. Um, and, you know, I think you would be incredibly uh, disappointed and remiss if you didn't pull the trigger and go out to the aquatic experience. Um, and worst case scenario, like you're, you're next to Manhattan. So even if you're like, hey, you know, I saw it on two days, we'll go spend your third day in Manhattan. Like get some falafel or check out the, uh, check out the sites. <laughs> shawarma. Oh, shawarma is delicious, man. Absolutely. Get some shawarma. <laughs> So, so um, for everyone that's listening, it sounds like Randy is uh, volunteering to set up a child service in his hotel room. So everyone just drop off their kids uh, in their hotel room when the kids start getting rowdy, and then uh, go to the go to the show for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, there will be no guarantees <laughs> of uh, your child returning in the same condition, and you may be better off just leaving them in a coat check. <laughs> I'm doing a good job of keeping one child alive. I don't know if I can handle more than the one right now. So, but work out, work out something. If you've got child care things that you need to get taken care of, hey, bring your kid along. Um, you know, it, you're probably trying to get your kid involved in the hobby one way or another, and this may be the thing that pushes them over the edge. Yeah, it was actually it was really great. We had uh, one of the exhibitors that uh, brought his kids there a couple of years ago to help us set up. And his, his son had no interest in anything to do with the fish industry whatsoever. It was, it was a whole, my dad does it, I don't care. After working with us for a week, um, this kid went home and started breeding betas. Um, nice. So, yeah, it's two years later, uh, this, this particular uh, uh, guy is, is still, you know, strong in the hobby. So it is definitely one of those those shows where you can – you know, have no interest, show up, see what it's all about, and then walk away and just be addicted. That's awesome. Uh, and then also, so in the lead up to this, there's obviously your website that, like I've said probably four times now, I'm going to link in the show notes, so check that out. Um, but there's also an Instagram account, right? <laughs> well, that's my personal Instagram account. I, I generally, uh, it's perfectly fine to share that my Instagram. Um, however, uh, it is of no relation necessarily to acquired experience or WPA. That's my disclaimer. Oh, so we'll go back and maybe we can potentially edit this out, but I, th I thought that was your, I thought there's an aquatic experience. Oh, there is actually. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, put that one. Sorry. I, I, I don't even think of <laughs> Maybe we won't, maybe we won't edit that out. We'll just leave that in. It's getting late in this yeah, conversation. <laughs> Zach is a dummy. <laughs> so, um, so there, there yeah, is, we have... cause I'm following it and I just wanted to <laughs> make sure. Yeah. So, a lot of those are actually in my pictures. Um, so there is an Acquire Experience Facebook account. There is an Acquire Experience Instagram account. And I want to say there's also a Twitter account. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll link those also in the show notes. I'm for sure, <laughs> I'm for sure following uh, the Aquatic Experience Instagram. Uh, the pictures yes. that are being put up on there are awesome. You take fantastic pictures. And, and I think it's, you know, you're not bombarding the audience uh, or your followers, but you're just putting out there enough to stay relevant and, and to keep that excitement going. So I would assume that as we get closer and closer to the event, hopefully we'll see some more pictures and continue to ramp up that excitement. But uh, yeah, I mean, if 
again, I know we're, we're bashing social media a little bit sooner, but you know, we all have it. So fo <laughs> follow the aquatic experience. I would definitely say, uh, you know, check them out, see the pictures that they're, that they're posting up and, um, you know, continue to, to build that excitement and to push you over the edge. If you're teetering on going to the aquatic experience and what you don't know is I get a massive commission for every person that goes because of this show <laughs> and that's completely false but no uh, no but it's it, commission it, in the form of smiles and handshakes totally um, you get that no, all day long absolutely that's 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 all I care about um so awesome <laughs> zach thank you very much man this has been just an absolute uh a blast having a, a conversation of, of getting to to meet and know you um knowing your background and you know walking through many aspects of our wonderful hobby and you know finally concluding with this this great uh talk on the aquatic experience and again you know it's it's almost like joining your fish club i love to, to promote that uh go to aquatic experience and, and see what that's all about because like i said zach has made it sound like it's going to be and it is an awesome awesome time yeah thanks for really having me it's uh it's been a pleasure really no problem we'll have to do this again man we'll have you on to talk about uh breeding goldfish and koi uh, I can talk about something, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Zach. You have a great night now. Hey, you too. Thank you again for listening to the Aquarius Podcast. As always, get involved in your local fish club, help grow this wonderful hobby, and have fun with other fish nerds.